0: Welcome to episode 10 of Hello from Hong Kong. In this episode I sit down with Mikey. She's a transgendered Philippine woman studying for a PhD in Hong Kong. We actually met through OK Cupid and I knew as soon as I saw her profile, she was very open about her about her status, about her gender, about her background. You could just tell from reading the profile, somebody actually filled out the details. And you get a good feel for them. So I approached her on OkCupid and she said, fine, great, let's meet up. So we did. And there is actually two Periscopes on my YouTube channel at JonathanJK. One of them was a private Periscope. And you can watch that now. I've released it publicly, which is sort of like a warm-up, more casual. The second one, which is the podcast you're going to listen to, is much more formal. We sit down in the same cafe but there's more structure to the topics we discuss. We talk about discussing what it's like to be a transgendered woman from her perspective and from the perspective of others living in Hong Kong. We question the types of surgery available, the consequences of uh, maybe developing cancer from some of these procedures. And we also talk about Hong Kong attitudes to the transgendered community. So, good episode. It's just over an hour in length. Hope you enjoy it. It is a live Periscope. If you don't know what Periscope is, it's a live streaming app. So I'm fielding questions from within Periscope and from Twitter. So there are some breaks in the uh, broadcast. I've edited it to clean it up, so just be aware of that. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Thanks for listening. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Why did you come to Hong Kong? What are you doing in Hong Kong? And some people will be very curious how far have you transitioned, or and why did you get into transitioning? If you don't remember all that, it's fine. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to begin with. That.
1: Okay. Uh, so again, my name is Mikey. I'm from the Philippines originally. I came to Hong Kong because I got a scholarship here. So it's like they're giving me money to study. So I thought I would give it a go. <laughs> that was three years ago, almost. Um, I'm doing a PhD in cultural studies. Um, I don't know what that means. Cultural studies. Nobody knows what it means. What it means, but. I'm doing basically film studies, um, I'm looking at cinema from the Philippines and looking at queer representations from the Philippines. I am also kind of an activist, I should stop saying kind of. Yeah, what, is kind of,
0: what does kind of mean?
1: Um, so I work for two organizations, a local organization uh, in the Philippines called STRAP, the Society of Transsexual Women of the Philippines. Um, a couple of years ago we were elected. Um, By ILGA to be the global trans secretariat. Um, ILGA is the largest network of LGBT organizations in the world. Um, It stands for the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender and Intersex Association. So it's a mouthful. Just call it ILGA. I L G A.
0: Interesting choice. Uh, Mouthful. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of double entendres in this scope. So uh, be be prepared. But well, activism sounds a bit like terrorism <laughs> to, some, to some government bodies.
1: Uh, I, I suppose we are. We do uh, a lot of lobbying at the UN level. Um, I was in New York a couple of months back, and we were trying to chase down some diplomats um, so that we could like sit them down and have conversations about uh, what to do about trans and LGBTI issues in their countries and trying to get them to support... Um, Legislation and statements at the UN level uh, that support LGBT rights, LGBTI
0: rights. Okay. What made you come to Hong Kong? Uh, the PhD. Just the so PhD. It's, it's the fellowship, really. And did you, when you started transitioning, did you start already in the Philippines, or did you start doing it here?
1: I did. I started in the Philippines. I was. Uh, I'm 32 now. I started transitioning when I was about. 23, 24, something like that, Um, small changes, at first it was just, you know, makeup and accessories and clothing, but recently I started on hormones, so um, that was a recent decision, very recent, this year
0: only, I was only listening uh, to a YouTube video today, and there was this guy interviewing another trans person, and they were talking about, like, the cancerous aspects of hormones... Uh, what's what's do you, my take on it? Um, yeah, what's your take on it? Like, that's taking a risk, from what I understood, yes. taking a risk by trying to take on take on that extra hormone yes. into your body.
1: Yeah. Um, Is it worth the risk? For me, yes. Okay. For a lot of people, it's not worth the risk. Like, before I started taking hormones, I was actually worried about all the side effects, all the, you know, repercussions for health, because, you know, your kidneys get damaged, your liver gets damaged. Um, So I was doing a lot of research, and I was talking with doctors, and I was talking with friends who were medical doctors as well, Um, and there's this one set of, um, there was, I I found um, research, some articles that kind of look at several different researches over the years, so it's like a longitudinal research, and basically hormones are safe if you're taking the right dosage, if you're taking good care of your body, hormones are pretty much safe.
0: Okay, um, Thomas says he, you have cool glasses. Oh, thank you! <laughs> he's one of the people who can't chat, he's, he's responding on Twitter. Um, okay, so nothing to worry about with that with that regard. Hopefully,
1: but, but what, you know, you have to keep, like, you have to have health checks. Like, right, oh, okay. Twice a year,
0: so. okay. And um, what are the, uh, what are all the ways that? a man can transition into a woman I'm sure a lot of people will will try to sort of like they get their news from a source that will devote like five minutes to the topic Uh, we're here for about an hour so what are the various ways in which a man can transition into a woman Um, and then then we're really interested in how a man transitions into a woman sorry a woman yeah a woman transitions um, into a man sorry
1: okay so first of all political correctness no one is born a man no one is born a woman people are assigned a sex at birth and based on that sex, they raise you as a particular gender. Yeah. So this is kind of like the basic framework of, of LGBTI activism. So no one has, no one is a man, no one is a woman. And they grow up to be men, and they grow up to be women because they're raised to be that way. Um, in terms of transitioning from male to female, several steps. Hormones, is one. Clothing, is one. Um, I know a lot of trans women who do
0: who, um, do vocal
1: exercises so that their voices become more friendly and uh, they, do, they don't sound so masculine, don't do I don't va- do
0: that. Don't do Valley Girl because Valley Girl is hated anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're a Valley Girl. Does, does, does Mikey sound Valley Girl? I don't I can do so. it. Like,
1: I can act like this for the whole time.
0: Don't. <laughs> it's okay. But go on. Uh, Sorry.
1: And then of course there are surgical procedures. That, um, that enable you to embody the right body that you want or to modify your body so that it conforms to what your idea of gender is. Um, usually when it comes to surgery, we talk about two kinds of surgery, uh, top surgery and bottom surgery. So top surgery for trans women would be breast implants uh, and breast augmentation. Um, it's safer to do that after you've done hormone. Why? Because then you already have some breast tissue. Um, because the hormones let your, make your breasts grow bigger. Okay. Um, so if there's like a space there already, the doctors don't need to put too much silicone inside. Um, but still, a lot of trans women, like I know someone, a good friend of mine, she had surgery um, over a couple of months ago, like February or something.
0: And now she has double
1: Ds. Well, she's a big lady, so like double Ds are okay for, for her, but like, oh, I had double Ds, like, no. Uh, uh, for trans men, it's a bit more complicated because a double mastectomy is um, kind of the standard procedure, uh, and it leaves a lot of scar tissue. So it takes a long time for the scars to disappear for trans men. Trans men are people, female people transitioning into male so it's a little bit more difficult. Um, it is easier, in terms of hormones, to transition from female to male, because testosterone is really strong, it's really powerful. Um, you only need a couple of shots to start feeling like a long-term effect, whereas progester- uh, progesterone and estrogen for trans women, it's a lot harder for the body to absorb it. Like I'm on two kinds of hormones right now, um, a, an androgen blocker, which kind of prevents my body from producing male hormones and um, estrogen and progesterone, which um, increases female hormones in my body. Um, and then there's bottom surgery, and again, it's more complicated for trans men than it is for trans women, so it's easier to create a vagina um, than it is to create a penis.
0: Um, phalloplasty is
1: actually a pretty new procedure. Um, whereas, if you've seen the Danish girl, mm. they were starting to put Eddie Redmayne. No, you know? don't know. That one. <laughs> um, so they were starting exp- uh, on. Um, they were exploring procedures for female, uh, male to female um, transsexual surgery as early as the nineteen twenties. Whereas female-to-male male surgeries, relatively new, came about in the 70s. Okay. Uh, and they still have it for fact it's like a really good technique for creating a balance.
0: Uh, Jen, who's, who's, who's asking on Twitter, do you have to take hormones forever or keep up or reduce the dose over time?
1: Um, it depends on your body and how much your body can take, which is why regular health checks are required. So... If you want to be on hormones forever, you probably can, but I would suggest that, and most doctors would suggest that you stop after two years, give your body time to rest, um, stop for a couple of months, Like it's not going to be that bad, uh, and then
0: keep going. How far will you transition?
1: Um, Top surgery,
0: probably. Just do top surgery. Okay, Max is asking, does any of it scare, scare you?
1: Yes, a lot of it is pretty scary. For one thing, I don't like surgery. I don't like the idea of needles and um, scalpels cutting into me. Um, so I, I, I also don't like blood. So, <laughs> so it's the, uh, the, that part scares me. Um, but I don't know, I've seen a lot of um, my trans sisters go through the surgery and they came out fine. Um, so I'm I'm considering top surgery but I I don't want bottom surgery
0: that's a good question are you at risk for the same
1: problems? Um, yes yes so a lot of trans women especially those in poorer countries actually transition without medical supervision so they basically buy hormones over the counter and um, they just take them like candy so that's bad
0: don't do that um, I, I want to tie in something that we were talking about just before, about the, uh, the woman in the mall in, in Hong Kong. So, what happened? Do you want to explain it or do you want me to explain it? You do. Okay, so basically uh, there was a, a transitioning woman and she went to the toilet two times. The second time she wanted to readjust her underwear and she was approached by ununiformed police. So she got a bit scared and then she was approached by police and altogether I think there was about like six policemen four of them uniformed. one of them female, surrounding her, asking her, like, what, what were you doing in the toilets? And she pointed out that, listen, I have breasts, they have long hair, I'm wearing everything that you would associate with a woman, but she had, she had a penis. And they said, and this is, I'm just I'm linking back to what you just said, they said, uh, you need to get uh, the surgery to sort of, like, use the female toilets because at the moment, you're still a dude, I guess. And as a stopgap measure, you should... Use the disabled toilets. What was something? Something was fishy in there, and so much that the lady was self-aware, and she saw that nobody in the toilets was like eyeing her or reported her. So she does think that the police, the female police officer, was just being overly extra vigilant and just wanted to sort of say something to her. And like I said, recommend using the the, uh, the disabled toilets. Um, two things: not everybody wants to have surgery because of the reasons you just said. You don't want to cut yourself open. You don't want blood. There's all this uh, physical and stress on the body.
1: Some trans women don't want to be sterilized. Right. Or conversely, trans men, they don't want to be sterilized. Like um, a couple of years ago, there was this transgender man who got pregnant and they went through that surgery. So they, uh, sorry, they went through that pregnancy and they had a baby. Um, but genital surgery, bottom surgery, were basically definitely sterilizing. So because they take out all of the reproductive organs and you will never have children. Um, what some trans women do when they transition is that they preserve their sperm. Uh, so they put it in a, in a like a sperm bag And um, when they find a surrogate or a partner or whatever, then they can use it. But basically the point of bottom surgery is to sterilize you.
0: So. Okay, uh, Homer is asking, is it expensive?
1: Yes. It can be very expensive. Um, I can't give you the right, like, a ball, I, I can give you a ballpark figure. Um, in Thailand, bottom surgery costs around 18000 to 20000 no, 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 I can't be right. 25000 US dollars. So it's not cheap. That's a ballpark figure. Okay. It depends also on which surgeon you go to. Okay. Like you don't really want to go to a cheap surgeon for something as invasive as this. Right. So a lot of the um, surgeons in Thailand, for example, they jack up their prices once they get this reputation that they're a good um, surgeon. Now going back to that Hong Kong incident, there was a couple. There's a couple of things there as well. Um, one, the police seemed like they were following her. Yeah, because like, how would they have known that she went to the bathroom twice? So she was being surveilled from a very early point um, when she entered the mall. Probably, um, Hong Kong is a big surveillance society. There are cameras everywhere.
0: Secret police. So. Secret police. Oh no, not secret police. Ununiformed police are everywhere. Ununiformed police are <coughs> everywhere. Um, well, actually, Hong Kong has more police per one hundred people than anywhere else on the planet. I know. Yeah. I know. It's, it's like they're, they're paranoid here. Um, so it. It's also, on the other hand, a
1: race thing, because the person she was, was not yes. a Hong Kong local. She was also from the Philippines, so it, it's it's also a race thing. And three, it's a form of body policing as well, because in order to detect that she was trans, then these officers were working off classical, traditional ideas of what a woman should look like. Um, so yeah. That
0: but considering considering that they said just use a disabled toilet and they said you should get surgery I think she got off lightly compared to what happens in North Carolina yes exactly for example but it's still not a good thing but at least it's like the, the response to was better if you wanted to like put it on a scale Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plus the disabled toilet I think I mean I tried to use the disabled toilet as much as possible because there's always a queue in the guy's toilets and less people use, fewer people use the disabled toilets, but she took offence to the disabled toilets, but there's like loads of advantages, so why would she get upset, the, or why, why would you get upset if, if, they, if, you, if it was told that you need to use the disabled toilet? Because we're not disabled. I'm not, but I use it. Yeah, but
1: that's not the point. Um, okay, you have tell to, me the point. You have to realise that transgenderism, there's a long history of pathologization. In other words... Yes. It's always been treated as a mental illness, even up to today. The DSM 5 and the ICD 10 the DSM is what's used um, in the American Psychiatric Association right. to diagnose mental illnesses. The ICD, the International Classification of Diseases, is used by the World Health Organization. And both manuals list transgenderism or a form of transgenderism as a mental illness. So, kind of Telling a trans person to just use a disabled toilet is adding insult to injury? Okay. So that's where we're where we are coming from. Although I do get that you know disabled advantages. toilets are sometimes more convenient.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because I mean why would you want to use, Why would you? and I mean this as a joke, but why would you want to use the female toilets when you always have to queue up? I've seen the queues, and in any of these malls, the women are always queuing up, and there's an empty disabled toilet there. So yes, I get it that there's a history of like linking mental illness with the idea that you just use a disabled toilet, but there are practical advantages you your able-bodied to get inside that toilet. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, but you're also taking away something that is reserved for disabled people, for people with disabilities, like what if you're peeing there and yeah, I someone get that. in a wheelchair really has to go.
0: Yeah, so kind of. there's a couple of there's a couple of great skits that I've seen online, uh, I can't remember the name of it, there's a guy who, who uses disabled toilets and then there's a disabled guy and he's like telling him off. Oh right, 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 I saw that and <laughs> right. he comes off And like. then he gets in a wheelchair <laughs> and he starts using disabled toilet and then he starts shouting at people. But I've never seen a disabled person use a disabled toilet in Hong Kong, ever. And that's not as an excuse, just as an observation, I've never seen it happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Actually what happens is, sometimes when we queue up, because there is always a queue for women's toilets, um, and there's a disabled toilet usually right right next to the female toilet, Um, a lot of able-bodied people actually use the disabled toilet. So it's also, there's also kind of a queue for the disabled toilet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I did have an issue with where I was going to live when I moved here.
0: Uh, do you just, want
1: to go to that or do you want uh,
0: to keep about it? Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Just for the sake of the podcast, Gustav uh, has just asked uh, about Mikey regarding any issues that she's had when she moved from Philippines to Hong Kong. But before you answer that question, the article that we're talking about did actually talk about how they interviewed or they asked some of the mall owners, like what is your stance on this? And actually a lot of the mall, uh, people who control the mall and the toilets, actually they don't actually care they don't see it as an issue and they're all inclusive and so for some reason the police are just taking umbrage with this woman based on their observation
1: so it's it's a race thing and second but uh like i think they were also thinking that uh phoenix who was her name phoenix was going into the women's toilet to put spy cameras so that she could take pictures of um women Using the toilet, which is ridiculous, because apparently Phoenix identifies as straight. But that's also a, p- a form of policing sexuality. What if she happens to be a transgender lesbian? Does that mean that we can't allow lesbians into women's toilets now? So this this idea actually comes from the North Carolina legislation, where you know these ideas travel, and um, you have to realize that the United States is incredibly powerful in terms of setting the discourse. Um, and these unintended consequences do happen a lot. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. So, we just talked briefly about something that happened in Hong Kong that's related to the topic of transgender issues. And just bring it back to you, living here, moving here. Christopher said, Did you have any problems?
1: I did, because I did not tell them I was trans. Because I was afraid. Um, I, I was afraid that they would revoke the scholarship if they found out I was trans. Um, I was afraid that they would like kick me out of school and cancel my visa if I told them I was trans. Um, so they put me in a boys' dormitory for the first couple of nights. Um, thankfully, the, my roommate, I, I was with a the roommate then, um, hadn't arrived yet. Um, so I spent the first two nights at university, in my dorm room, at, in the boys dormitory, alone. And then I used the shower, and I was like, I cannot live like this for the next three years. Like, cancel the scholarship all you want. <laughs> but I cannot use this kind of toilet, this kind of bathroom for the next three years. Um, so I told my department first that I was trans so that they put me in a boys dorm. And then they contact the Student Services Center Um, and the SSC actually called a board meeting of the professors and the senior faculty members asking them what to do with my case. They gave me several options. One was to use a disabled room, the disabled dorm rooms um, have their own bathroom inside so it's more private, Um, but at that time Again, they were also confused because like, the dorms are structured according to sex, so certain floors are reserved for boys, certain floors are reserved for girls, and they were still kind of confused where to put me. Like, If I were to use a disabled room, which, was be, which would be fine, um, which floor would I be put in? That was the question. And the second issue was that all the disabled rooms at that time were actually filled up. So they didn't have many disabled rooms, but they were all filled up. So the second option they gave me was a solo room with its own bathroom, which happens to be the maid's quarter for um, the warden. The warden is the guy who takes care of the dormitory. Um, I looked at the room and I was like, yeah, this is great, this is fine. I can live here for the next three years, and I have lived there for the next three years. Um, But I was very surprised at how open they were and how accommodating they were. because I'm apparently the, the first case of a trans person coming into the university uh, and requiring certain accommodations that are different from regular people. Um, but yeah, so like it, it's been kind of a perk for me being able to live in this room because I get my own bathroom, I get a nice living space. Um, the bathroom has a tub in it so I can like you know, do bubble baths while I read for cold. <laughs> this, um, this,
0: this experience that you're talking about, it kind of exemplifies, like everybody typically um, doesn't have a problem. Authority has a problem. Like the police, the police care. Uh, generally, you know, people, people in Hong Kong don't care about your sexuality, uh, and it's it is people in authority who are sort of like, hey, there's a problem here, yes. and, we, and then they tell the general public, and if and if you are sort of kind of one of those people who are inclined to follow and toe the line then you are going to sort of develop these issues where it's like yeah that's wrong um, and that shouldn't be allowed because, yeah. hmm. because even in North Carolina where they ha- they have this law now in place there are a lot of businesses that are saying actually we don't care and they're putting up stickers with the half man half woman uh, signage to, to, to tell everybody we don't care just use the toilet not a problem good question Uh, does does Hong Hong Kong have uh, any trans laws no no protections
1: Um, they set up quite recently a couple of years ago an equal opportunities commission the equal opportunities commission is supposed to like look at businesses and universities and schools um, and make sure that things are diverse across all sectors of course um, the equal opportunities commission doesn't really have that much power because there is no legislation in Hong Kong Uh, The calls for um, anti-discrimination against, um, or protections against discrimination for LGBTI people. There are certain protections for women, for children, for racial minorities, but the language does not include um, sexual orientation or gender identity. Oh,
0: there's some questions here. (laughs) Uh, we'll talk about Native Americans, or First Nation people. I want to anyway, uh, Thomas. And the other two Twitter question is, what toilets does Mikey use in public?
1: Uh, women's toilets.
0: Women's toilets.
1: Like, if I look like this and I enter the men's room, people would freak out.
0: To be fair though, men's toilets are pretty gross, so. That too. If I could, <laughs> I would transition just to use the ladies' toilets as well. <laughs> the issue I had with the article though, and I couldn't understand why, is that the Filipina in the story doesn't show her face. And I think face is very oh. important when we're talking about trans issues because we faces is, is one of the most important things. even if on a dating app, you want to see a face you want to see you want to see it it's, and the article obviously obscured it for her protection mm-hmm. but at the same time, if we could see her face, we could have a better understanding of like how she was judged at the same time. Mm-hmm. but as it is, you just see the back of her right
1: I, I, um, when the incident happened, Phoenix actually called me.
0: Oh, so you know Phoenix.
1: Um, I do know her. But she's asked for her identity to be um, hidden. Sure. Because she doesn't want to be targeted by the police or by authorities. Um, She works here in Hong Kong. She's been here for four or five years now. uh, And this has never happened to her, which was part of the shock that she got, you know? Um, I think Phoenix wanted her identity hidden because she didn't want to antagonize the government. To antagonize the police because that doesn't really work here in Hong Kong. If you fight them, then they get even more aggressive. So you have to talk to them very in a very civil manner, in a very, in a very calm manner. Um, right now I think what she's trying to do is to engage with some higher level police officials so that they can do, we can do trainings for police officers and Um, both uniformed and ununiformed police officers so that we can, like, we we want to do, like, a gender sensitivity training for um, police officers in Hong Kong. We've done this before, not me personally, but other people, other trans people, other trans advocates in Hong Kong have done this before, but there hasn't been any follow-up, so.
0: The, I would ask, just change topic slightly, I would ask, why, why does it feel like... all happening at the moment. Some people get a sense like, "Oh, well, I'm always thinking about trans issues on the news. Why is it all happening now?" And it's not in our. It's not. It's not something that we can sort of uh, get up in the morning and then just accept because it does feel like in the last couple of years, trans it's issues been, have been pushed to the yeah. front. Why do you think that is? Do you think there's like an agenda to sort of demonise trans because they're the next, they're the next minority to demonise for political advantages? Yep. Or do you think it's been an issue that slowly? actually becoming important just because of that just because things do evolve in our society.
1: Um, on the one hand I see the forefronting of trans issues as a function of the media. A couple of years ago, um, when Orange is the New Black came out and Laverne Cox was there, and really that was the first kind of mainstream recent mainstream character who was trans and played by a trans woman. Um so, one of the reasons trans issues are very um, loud today is that the media, entertainment media, has been forefronting trans issues. The second reason I think it's popular is that we have marriage equality in the US now. So, like, what's the next issue that we will look at? I mean, um, a little
0: bit loud here. <laughs> sorry about the location. If the noise, background noise is annoying you, uh, this is the best place for us <laughs> two to meet up.
1: Um, and it was
0: quieter last time as well.
1: It was. It was. There weren't so many people the last time. Yeah. So I thought it would be okay. But anyway, sorry about that. Um, where
0: was I? You were talking about marriage equality. Oh yeah, you're right, right. right, right.
1: So like, not that marriage equality is in any way more important than trans issues. Actually, it's the other way around for me. Because trans people are being killed, murdered, left and right, every day. Um, but I think it's like the logical next step. So when people achieve that kind of marriage equality, then we can look for other issues that we can uh, fight for. Um, but again, that's a very problematic way of seeing things because, again, it forefronts cisgender issues over trans
0: issues. So Okay. The, what I'm getting at, though, is... We're going to talk about the history of transgender trans- issues, and actually, having done some research, there are references to transgendered people that goes as far back as 200 B.C. to 400 B.C. in the Kama Sutra, okay? which is a great book, by the way. Uh, there's that, and then there's also First Nation Peoples in North America, and interestingly, they were seen as positive, if they, could, if they felt like, and somehow they communicated this, they felt they were both a man and a woman, they were highly regarded and some of them became uh, shamans within their community. But, so there were positive aspects, sorry, there were positively received in that culture, but in our culture, we kind of demonize it. And I think, as a layman, that there's a relationship between the way we demonize it and the puritanical stance that generally exists in the West. Minority cultures, they interpret it in a different way. And While they haven't been taken over by, say, Christianity, if you're transgender then you're probably gonna have a better life and to link that back to history, to now it's like it's not a new issue but i think with media accessibility of information and news we get to learn more about and get to hear more about these things do you have anything
1: to say about that um a few things okay i'm gonna go whole, all cultural studies now okay I wouldn't look at the past and history uh, from a lens that is contemporary. Like, I would not call those identities transgender. Sure. Um, transgender is a new concept. This was invented in the 1970s, um, or a little bit earlier than that with Agnes Hirschfield.
0: But my, I think um, what I'm trying to get though is sexuality has always been tampered with. Since, since, Ever since the invention of farming, I'm reading a book at the moment called Sex and Dawn. And uh, it's always been manipulated, so go on.
1: Um, so it's a function, I think, of globalization and modernity, which happened um, in the age of imperialism. So when imperial powers from the West started spreading their ideas of what modernity is, of what being a rational human being is, and all of the restrictions that those things entail. A woman should be this, a man should be this, blah, blah, blah. When that started spreading and
0: solidifying.
1: and solidifying, they actually started erasing the history of locals and minorities and the endemic. So, in the Philippines, for example, um, it's exactly like the Hijla, it's exactly like the First Nation people. Uh, uh,
0: Just let people know what Hijra means.
1: Hijra is the... So when we talk about gender in India, there are five, six different genders. One of those genders is the Hijra. The Hijra is seen as a combination of the male and the female spirit. So they're kind of an in-between entity identity. So that's what the Hijra is. We have the same traditions in the Philippines. In the Philippines in pre-colonial times, we had spiritual leaders and healers and shamans and, and um, who were what we would call now transgender. So they, they were gender crossers. Um, but gender in the Philippines is a function of occupation. So it's the occupation that genders you. Um, we call it the babaylan. So babaylan nisem uh, was considered a female occupation, but it was not restricted to genital females So if you were a genital man, but you were effeminate, you were um, Attracted to other men uh, You would w- wear women's clothing, then you would co- you were considered automatically divine Because people saw you as a combination of the male and the female So that was a sacred thing for them and
0: But they in positives
1: Yes, these you have are a all combination positive.
0: Of positive attributes of both genders. Yeah. Right. Um, but for some reason, we're demonizing it.
1: In the Philippines, what happened was so these babaylan women or trans women um, were allowed to take on partners of the same sex, so they were allowed to marry and have husbands. Um, and again, they occupied a very special place in society. They were second only to the chief. So if the chief died and they were looking for an heir, they would consult the okay. Um When Catholicism entered the country, of course, the priests saw these shamans as their rivals because they were supposed to be the links to the divine. But here they find the natives, they have their own links to the divine. So they actively rooted out the practice of Babaylanism when they started Catholicizing everything. Uh, In the Philippines, we had 350 years of Spanish Catholic rule. So that happened for about 350 years. Uh, And then at the turn of the 20th century, we became an American colony. So with American modernization, um, which uh, recreated, reformed, the education system and the institution of medicine, and with the introduction of um, psychiatry and psychology, then you have kind of an effacing of the Babylon, um, based on their sexuality. So the Catholics thought that it was immoral what they were doing. The Americans thought that what they were doing was insane. So because of those two different kinds of discourses, then. The practice of babaylanism was eventually rooted out, replaced by other practices, modern practices. Uh, right now we call that Kabaklaan, being Bakla. Bakla is the term for uh, gay men and trans women in the Philippines. So, you say that
0: ten times.
1: Bakla. Bakla
0: Bakla Bakla Bakla. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, well done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's it. Sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, Okay, the book. The, so the book I'm reading uh, is called Sex at Dawn by Christopher, Dr. Christopher Ryan, PhD, and Cecilda. I always forget the woman's name. Damn it, Jonathan, you oppressor, you, you, uh, you white cis privilege. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I forget the woman's the woman's name. But it's a great book. But in that, it's talking about all kinds of sexuality, and it's about a spectrum, not this binary, male or female, man or woman sort of issue. And in it, it's talking about how the majority, whatever that culture is, the majority has started to wipe out the minority cultures. But the minority cultures have a much more positive idea of what sexuality is and should be and the balance of power between both male and females regardless of regardless of how they identify doesn't really matter and life is so much better and so when you look it back at, when, when I look at it, I just think there's something wrong with Western culture personally. There has to be because of religion and if you read the book, I'm not going to go into it, but if you read the book Farming as well, farming changed human history or human uh, human interactions. Okay? But,
1: but question, was the book looking at farming from a Western point of view or was, was it looking also at local
0: practices? Um, it's looking at it from a Western point of view, the Western style okay. of farming. You own the land and then you need someone to look after the land, protect the land, then you own people and then you start controlling people. Uh, that kind of thing. Because
1: the thing is, in the Philippines, um, in pre-colonial societies, and in many societies that exist still today, um, it's the woman who farms. It's the man who takes care of the house. So it's kind of like the other way around. It's the woman who goes to the field and tills it, you know, and, and does the actual planting. Um, and then it's the man's job to kind of look over the farm and make sure that there are no raiders and there are no, um, like,
0: invaders or whatever. So
1: it was kind of the other way
0: around. Okay. I have some Twitter questions for you. Lulu is asking, at what age did you start to realize you're a woman in a man's body? Uh, Three, four. Wow. wow, (laughs) As early as that. Okay. We'll get into that. That's kind of interesting. And Jen is asking, are there many transgender domestic helpers working in Hong Kong?
1: Um, Trans men, yes.
0: Right. Yes. And have you heard, Thomas is asking, have you heard of the trans bear community?
1: No, but I can imagine that it,
0: it exists. What is what is trans bear? What would that be?
1: Well, just looking at the name, um, it's transgender men who are bears. Bears are like the kind of big, burly men. Oh, okay, so they're trans bears.
0: Hairy. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Okay, so you said three or four. That's really young to sort of identify with what you're going through. Uh, How did
1: that... Well, of course, we didn't have a name for it. I didn't know what transgender
0: was until I was 22. So, um... I can't even remember what I was thinking when I was four. I can remember being in Hong Kong when I was four. That's that's it. But but I
1: I do remember, like, people calling me, you're a boy, you're a boy, you're a boy. But I was thinking, no, I'm not. Like, I know my brother is a boy, but I'm not. I'm different. Okay. I, I, I suppose identification works differently from cisgender, with cisgender people and with trans people. With cisgender people it's kind of like an unquestioned, um, it's an unquestioned thing. Like if you're a boy then you're a boy and you agree that you're a boy. If, But for trans people I think it works on a differentiation. People tell you that you're a boy but you know that you're not. People tell you that you're a girl but you know that you're
0: not. So it's kind of it works on kind of two opposing scales. These categories, though, they've been handed down to us from people who obviously created all this around us. And we're having problems because society has evolved. Categorization, because we want to categorize things. And if you don't conform, then you're just seen as like useless. So, But we need categorization, that's why they want to solidify what sexuality is. And you can't have it to be so fluid, because it's scary, in a sense, it's scary, yeah, it is. and people don't understand it. Or we've been conditioned to think of it as scary. Yes, uh, because I want to go back to that article about the Filipina who got accosted. There was a comment right at the end, and somebody said, uh, should we expect the general population to understand uh, general dysmorphia or this issue? What it is to be transgender, to be transgender. And he makes a very good point. Should we expect everyone to wake up in the morning and just, oh, I totally understand? But but even if you wanted to, you can't get that information out there because of uh, manipulation and special interests trying to cloud these issues. So even if if you had your own television, one television network that was pro LGBT, it's going to go against the tide of all the other networks. Best interests. So it's really hard uh-huh. Uh-huh. to get people to to get on with get on board with this.
1: I, I understand where this is coming from. I understand where um like I my, one of my close friends actually asked me this, like if he were in a gym, he's a cisgender gay man, if he were in a gym and suddenly a trans man would come in, and take off his shirt, and there would be boobs there, um like how is he expected to feel? And it's a valid question. Again, we've been conditioned to think of bodies as scary, to think of sexuality as scary, to think of nakedness as scary, yeah, and to think of labels as important, you know? But again, in the trans community, we all dream of a world without labels, only beauty. But, um, but this is a, you know, a dream that's a long way. My take on this is that it, it, is that it boils down to basic human decency. Like, why should you care what another person is doing in the bathroom? Like, why should you care what kind of genitals a person has when they go to the bathroom? Like, you don't need to understand gender dysmorphia in order to respect people. If you go to the bathroom, there, are, there will be people there. It's a public space, you know? But why should you care what's in between someone's legs? Like why why should that be a problem? Why should that be any of your concerns? I mean, if you go to the bathroom, you go there to pee, or to fix your makeup, or, or you wash your hands. Hopefully people wash their hands. Um, you know, why should you care what other people are doing there? Unless they're visibly doing something really bad. Like, I don't know, they're installing a bomb or something in the bathroom. Why would you want a politician Yeah, politicians,
0: <laughs> politicians
1: seem to go. because politicians are idiots.
0: <laughs> yeah?
1: I mean, politicians play on the fear of the common person, not knowing that the common person doesn't care about these things.
0: Yeah, or didn't so, care.
1: So they, they frame certain issues so that they become controversial, they frame certain issues so that people talk about them. Um, it's all a function of framing, really. Well,
0: to go back into categorization, it's like if. The way I see it, and someone said it to me once, and I can't remember who said it, but we live in a virtual reality. With all this talk of like VR headsets and Oculus Rift, we're already living in a created reality, or uh, uh, yeah, a reality that's been created by somebody else, and we're brought up in this reality. And some of us think this is the real world, and it isn't. It's just a way that someone's organized the world as a collective. People before us said, oh, cities seem like a great idea, that's run with it, and we are running with it, and a lot of people are brought up into the world, and see a city, Oh, this is what this is what life is like this is not what life is like but then when we get down to the details oh here are some toilets for women here are some toilets for men and if you sort of like don't play by the rules then you're a problem. but we are this is an artificial thing but before we had cities we would just we would just poop and pee anywhere and this idea of modesty or privacy wasn't really something that I mean, how long has the toilet how long has toilets been around for? It came about, I think, because of kings and queens. That's why in the Britain we say, we're gonna go to the throne room. It was created by those people who felt like this is an ele- this should be an elevated process to us poopery. And the common people can just, well, shit on the street. And so we run with this idea and then we create this 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 concept and then we're just creating problems for ourselves when it's a fixed concept. But we are not fixed entities living in this virtual reality. And yet, again, the fluidity and rigidity are, are clashing. Mm-hmm. And like, I always think back to how when America took, took over from Japan after World War II, and before America was in charge, Japan had mixed toilets. So transgender issues wouldn't be a problem if the Japanese weren't forced, and they were forced, into having uh, segregated toilets. And so we brought this problem on ourselves. And all of a sudden, now it's like, no, but we still should keep separate toilets, but why? Exactly. Why? Exactly.
1: Like, for me, the natural logical progression
0: of toilets is to make
1: everything gender-neutral. You don't need to separate men from
0: women or trans people from whatever. Um, I mean, look at at the Starbucks in Saudi Arabia they had problems, women had problems once the, the, the dividing wall fell down. And what you're looking at is Westerners thinking, well, it's just women and men buying coffee, but they have to live on either side of the of the same Starbucks office, uh, coffee shop, with this veil. The veil fell down and said, right, no women are allowed here. They're creating that problem. Whereas we in the West would think that's ridiculous. And to me, take another step back, this whole issue is it's ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> because we've created this veil that's coming down and people want to keep it up. So
1: it's also a function of culture and ideologies behind certain practices. So um, it's a very difficult question to address because culture is very specific. You know, um, there are certain cultures which are more open. Like if you want to romanticize the past, you can look at pre-colonial societies as perfect societies. I'm sure they had problems of their own. Um, today we have our own different sets of problems. And these problems come from different issues, different ideologies, modernity, uh, neoliberalism, uh, capitalism, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So it's a very difficult question to look at. But yes, you're right. If you, if you take a step back, if you step back far enough, you see how everything is just constructed. Yeah. You see that we, we now live in a world where we created our own problems. So it's like,
0: but then we blame the ones that are not conforming. Yeah. Don't we? Rather than look because at... Because
1: you need a scapegoat. You need, you need
0: something to but, I mean, you could, you, could say this, you could say the problem is, well, we've created this, so maybe we should accommodate more people. Because what, what really is the harm? It's once you stay, take a step back and stop. Because we fear what we don't understand. So we don't understand that people are just going to want to be different. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, or they are different. Yep. We, we, we keep repeating this, how we did it with black people and now we're doing it with, with transgender people. For me, it gets, for me it gets boring, and I sometimes think about, like, you've got animals that live in the water, animals that live on land, and you've got this animal in the water saying, what's the point of land? It just takes up the space of water. And then you've got people on land thinking, well, if I go in there, I'm gonna drown. Right, let's pretend there's an insect that can't go into the water, and a fish that can't go on land. And I'm sitting on the beach thinking, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but, but we're brought up to exist in these spaces by others, mm-hmm. and we can't, can't find a way harmoniously, I can't think of an issue where it's just like, yeah, okay, we'll sort that out. We always have to resist. Change. It's it's fascinating.
1: And the resistance to change is because of um, neoliberal politics, really. If you change things, people will start thinking that they're going to lose money or whatever, they're going to lose certain things, certain privileges. So it's it's the losing of all these... um, comforts that's scary for them.
0: Right. Christopher is asking on Twitter... And religion, yes. Could Mikey explain the difference between gender and sexuality? What defines gay, straight, trans person? Because not all trans are gay. Okay, yeah. Either. Again, there's just more to this spectrum that is just mm-hmm. fascinating. Yes. And other people can take a dim view and just think, well, you're just cherry picking what you want to get what you mm-hmm. want, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm going to talk about the soji framework. S-O-G-I-E. Um, sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. So, sexual orientation is who you're attracted to. Um, if you're a man, you're attracted to another man, then you are a homosexual or gay. Um, it's not actually politically correct to say homosexual
0: anymore. Is so, it not? Um, because it's pathologized as well. Um, at least that's what I hear. But why do we? Why don't we like? Do you have sapiosexual as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just
1: a, it's just a ism kind of thing.
0: Uh-huh uh uh-huh. yeah. But the okay. thing is, um oh, Sorry Max. Saying, sorry Max anyway. for all the conversations we've had where I've said homosexual. <laughs> I didn't realise I was oppressing you. Orchestra <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, These things move fast though. You and do it also upsets people. I mean you
1: do have to separate the idea of homosexuality from the homosexual. So the act of same sex sexuality versus the person who identifies as gay or straight or lesbian or whatever. I'll get into this once I finish talking about the framework. So you have sexual orientation, who you're attracted to, gender identity is who you think you are, Um, your own personal sense of identity, and this is abstract, this is all in the mind, or in some cultures, in the heart or in the spirit. And then you have gender expression, which is how you manifest aspects of gender in your everyday life. How you dress, how you act, your mannerisms, your behavior, etc. etc. And these three things are not, uh, they're not related to each other. So there is a line between all of these things that separates gender identity from sexual orientation, sexual orientation from gender expression, blah, blah, blah. Even your gender expression is not usually, not necessarily dependent on your gender identity. For example, if you are a transgender woman, meaning you are assigned male at birth, but you identify as a woman, so that's your gender identity, but you live in Saudi Arabia, where you cannot express your gender, I mean not in non-conventional ways. So, your gender expression might still be masculine male, so you might still conform to male assigned dressing, male assigned behaviors, but that doesn't mean that you're not transgender. Because you identify as a transgender person, then you are still trans. But then again, you can also be attracted to other women, which makes you a transgender woman who is a lesbian, who is non-gender conforming.
0: This the yay. This, this upsets. This will upset a lot of people. I don't mean people in the chat. I just mean people generally because we don't live. I don't We're not living in a way where we can just sit down and study this, and we have to somewhat study this. We live in a very so much go go go. You know, I want my I want my Starbucks coffee, and then I can go and I'm on the move and I'm holding the coffee. You know, that's the culture that we have in the West. You know, in Spain you sit down with the coffee, you take the time with the coffee. Um, but is there a website where you can sit down and just read about all these combinations?
1: Um... Is there a website? It I upsets, don't think it so. does upset
0: people, and it doesn't help. It doesn't Wikipedia, help. Wikipedia, maybe. <laughs> okay, but, but you can see, but we can see, uh, us two, we can see how this upsets people who won't take the time. I mean, and there will be people who do take the time, and then there are people who get offended because they might have made it's one too complicated. one yeah. pronoun error, and it's like, no, you refer to him as a her. It's just like that, 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 the end of my patience, right? That's it. I hate this minority. Yeah. Do you feel like Um, like sometimes it could be simplified for people to try this? Because you want those people on board in order to allow a mass-accepted sort of change.
1: Um, The thing about simplifying things, I'm an academic, I'm in cultural studies, I don't like the idea of simplification. I do have activist friends who are very good at simplifying concepts. Uh, in fact, I copied my example from one of them. Um, I, Phoenix, for example, the the, the woman at, from the IFC, she's very good at explaining sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, which is what which she did with the police. Which is what she did with the police when she was being harassed. So she was trying to very calmly explain that sexual orientation is different from gender identity. But then she was also very stressed at that point because, again, it's a very scary thing to be accosted by by police officers especially ununiformed, nonuniform non uniformed police officers yeah you can't
0: you don't, we don't want to trust them yeah
1: because like how do you know they're telling the truth
0: like, sure when do you ever see an ID card exactly what have you, what we don't, have you well, we don't know it what it, it looks like yeah. It's, the, uh, yeah okay we have some Twitter uh, comments Lulu says sadly the efforts of minorities or special interest groups to reclaim equal rights are perceived as a zero-sum game by many and Joseph Bayshore says, uh, accommodate out of respect, we're all human beings who all deserve the same respect. I think that's what's lost as well, Mm -hmm. for the most part, in in any of these arguments. It's a human person who just thinks differently. Exactly. Like,
1: what what the other one? Effort, yeah. Zeroism gained by many, yes. Even the activists are kind of, you know, we don't live the world with rose-colored glasses. So we know that it's very difficult to push for change. We know firsthand, I know firsthand, how difficult it is to get institutions to change their policies so that they become
0: more inclusive. Have you seen this film, Paris is Burning?
1: Yes, I have, but I saw it ages ago. Um, But yeah, it's a good film, Paris is Burning is a good film. Do you
0: recommend that for everybody to watch?
1: Yes. Paris is Burning is about um, drag culture in New York, Um, and it talks about race, it talks about class. It's a very interesting movie. Okay. So yeah, See yeah. The only
0: pregnant. drag movie I've seen is Priscilla, Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Also
1: a good movie. <laughs> I, I love that movie. Um, there's also Tu Wong Fu, um, which starred Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze and John oh, Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, most recently I would recommend The Danish Girl. The Danish Girl is really well written. Um, don't look at the film from a trans activist lens because I've read reviews about uh, the Danish girl and they were looking at it from a trans activist lens and they were arguing that the film is politically incorrect it's pathologizing, it's medicalizing trans issues but hello, this was in the 1920s like we had no trans activism back then so you have to look at the film and watch it from you know, it's proper historical context, which I thought was really beautiful, and the performance was really good. Okay. Um, and cinematography as well was really good, and the music was really good. So, the Danish drama. Yes. I
0: have um, I have one topic to talk about with you, yep. And then an observation that I came across in my in my research uh, was about the founding fathers. A lot of Americans like to hold the founding fathers, the fathers, was gods. And you know, they believed in this and they believed in that and then we should subscribe to whatever they believed in and I remember watching Fox News once and I think Sarah Palin or somebody related to Sarah Palin said something like the Founding Fathers were against Theory of Evolution and anybody who takes a minute to understand that realize that the Theory of Evolution came after the Founding Fathers so the Founding Fathers were dead before the Theory of Evolution was even solidified as a theory by Charles Darwin and it was, it was like, oh, so if you're ignorant, you're going to like, oh yeah, well the founding fathers were against it, then I'm against it, against the revolution. Now, this whole thing about trans issues, when you, when we sort of demonise men who dress as women and vice versa, more men who dress, more who men, more men who look like women. The founding fathers wore tights and wigs, and it was like, in our, now in, the, in our lens, in the cultural lens of today, we could look at that and say. They were cross-dressing. They were drag queens. They were drag queens. <laughs> how can how can anybody argue with that? But back in that time, it was seen as like, yeah, that's what they are. They're, they're the founding fathers. They were... And some men wore high heels. The and heels you know, were actually invented for men. Yeah. And it's okay. It was okay. And now it's not. And again, we're going back to this discussion of categorization and social norms. And we involve in the societal structures that we created stay rigid. And it's just fascinating when you bring that back. And you try and recontextualize it. Oh, look at this. There's men wearing wigs. And even men in positions of power in, yes. uh, in, uh, in the UK, judges, so, yeah. they still wear wigs. It's, and who wears wigs today? Either bold men, uh, I don't by the way, <laughs> or, or trans drag trans, queens. Trans, yeah, drag queens. Yes. So it's fascinating to well, look at. Trans
1: usually you just grow your hair. Um, <laughs> you have to kind of look at where the issues come from. Like, why is it that? Male-bodied persons who are effeminate, or who dress as women, or who identify as women, more policed than, say, a cisgender woman who is a tomboy—not necessarily a lesbian, but you know, a butch kind of woman—and it's it comes from the idea of misogyny that men are better than women. So if a trans woman. Um, people see you giving up male privilege as an affront so why would you you're already a man why would you want to be a woman and why would you want to occupy that lower position in society right again
0: minority cultures don't have this problem because no the patriarchy <laughs> never got to a position where it was all-encompassing yeah and dominating yeah
1: right? in fact in the philippines there was a matriarchy before um yeah. patriarchy before patriarchy, right. before Catholicism in the pre-colonial, in not all, but many pre-colonial societies in the Philippines, um, they followed the matriarchy, and the reason for that was that women just lived longer than men, Right. so like um, your men would die out and all the women, all the old wise women would be the ones left in your family, so it kind of followed the logical matriarchal structure.
0: I have to, Sorry, this is gonna end in about 10 minutes, so if you have any other questions, go to the Twitter share function in Periscope, so you don't need to leave the app and type uh, some of the last questions, because I have one more topic on this on this topic of transgenderism, and then we're gonna end it. Okay? I um, just, just wanna like... This one here, said,
1: right. Ang Pagdadalaga Maximo Oliveros is the only Filipino LGBT movie that I've seen. It is a good start. It's a pretty good movie. Um, the English title is The Blossoming of Maximo Oliveros. There's another one that I would highly recommend. Uh, it's a comedy slash horror film called um, Zomba Dance. Um The Curse of Remington and the Curse of the Gay Zombies or something like that.
0: Gay Zombies? Gay Zombies, yes.
1: It's a nice. really fun movie.
0: How, does um, even, how do you know they're gay, though? They're drag queens. They're dressed up in drag. Gay zombie drag queens? Yes. So, yeah, but... Would they get stopped? Uh, How do you know they're gay zombies? Gay, transsexual? I don't get it. <laughs> they're male-bodied persons in, who went through. If there were gay zombie dragons, well, we who would care? Realize, like, who would care about them? They again, in like the, the Philippines,
1: we kind of don't differentiate between gay men and trans women, so we don't do that kind of differentiation.
0: What about? If that's
1: a very recent phenomenon, and by recent, I mean two thousand two.
0: Do, do, do you differentiate between gay men and gay zombie men? Um. I suppose we would, maybe? You, have to. you definitely have to run away from one of them anyway, wouldn't you? <laughs> but a straight man who's insecure would run away from both. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Lulu makes a comment. Check out the Spanish film by director Pedro Almodovar. Al- 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 Au There's exposing transitions in decades.
1: You are talking about... Habla con ella? Talk to her. Which I have seen, and if it's a good film, yes.
0: Christopher saying depends if the, if the zombies or the or the gay use poppers or not. How would that even change it? Change anything?
1: Can a zombie use poppers? Do they breathe?
0: You could force it on them, but then you are pressing zombies on you,
1: right? You're giving
0: them drugs without their consent. This all my interviews have a random tangent. This is the random tangent for this interview. This is great. Um, Right, my last, my last thing, and this is something that we can end on a positive note, would life be simpler if we just got rid of uh, needing to address someone's gender in passports, driver's licenses, uh, bank accounts, we just do away with it and accept that there are all sorts of ideas, and it doesn't really matter because we've got our name, we've got our age, we've got where we were born, the date of birth, what's the point, what's
1: the point of yeah. So Yeah, I, I don't know what the point is actually, again, we all dream of a world with no labels, just beauty. Um, but the conservatives would argue that it's a, it's a kind of uh, identification. So, um, But the more uh, progressive way of dealing with that is really to allow people to change their gender markers. Um, a lot of states uh, in the U.S. do that. Um, some parts of Asia do it. I think Vietnam a gender identity a gender recognition law they're trying to get a gender recognition recognition law here in Hong Kong um, in the Philippines we don't have it so even if I migrate somewhere where I can change my legal markers I will not be able to change my birth certificates. Um, the most progressive we have are Argentina, Malta uh, Uruguay
0: Ireland, Denmark, Colombia there you go Right. There's a list right there. Yeah, because we were talking last time about in Vietnam it's been accepted, oh, so right, I found this right, article right. about positive steps to transgender rights. Anything we talk about, I'll put it in the podcast. There's a link in the show notes. And I will also put it on my Twitter afterwards, okay? So you can check it out. And obviously on the YouTube video. But yeah, they're the most progressive. Which is weird because they're the, one, some of the smallest countries in the world and they're more accepting of it.
1: I mean Malta is a Catholic yeah. country as well, so. But look
0: at Ireland. You can't even get an abortion in Ireland. Why would they accept? <laughs> you know, talk about marriage equality then LGBT issues. just sort of skipped right? abortion and said, no, you're not getting an abortion, but you can be accepted. Yeah, here. it's weird.
1: Um, yeah, but in the Philippines, we're very consistent. We don't even have divorce. So in the Philippines, if you get married, you're married. It's like the mafia, once
0: you're in, you're in. You have to die before Okay. someone has to die. A lot of people are asking, as we wrap this up, a lot of people are asking about safety.
1: Safety.
0: Uh, Like PayPay is asking, is Hong Kong culture accepting of trans people? I think the people are, uh, but you'll hear from Mikey in a minute. And has anyone hassled Mikey over your ID card? And how safe do you feel generally in Hong Kong?
1: Hong Kong, I feel very safe. Um, I can walk the streets at night without fear. Um, I can ride the MTR. No no one harasses me. I can use the female female toilet. Um, Nobody, nobody's ever called me out.
0: But that's that's, also that's a mixed toilet by the way.
1: Uh, but that's also because, like, Hong Kong people don't care. Like, they're too busy looking at their phones. Like, if you ride an MTR, if you go on the train, just everyone is like this, just on their phones all the time. So, it's like, on the one hand, they don't care. On the other hand, they're too busy to care. Um, what was the other part?
0: Hassled you over your ID card?
1: My ID card? Um, I only really show my ID at the airport. Uh, and at the airport, it's not my transgender, and that's the matter, it's my class status because they always ask me to uh, line up with the domestic helpers. They always ask me, who is your employer? And I always get confused, like, employer? Uh, do you mean Lingnan University? Do you mean my, my university? Um, so they always assume that if you're brown and you're a woman, you're a domestic worker. You're a domestic worker. So it's a function of class and race, um, but not so much the gender marker. Okay. Like in the States, when I go to New York, um, I've never really been asked, why do you look the way you look? Like, that's never been an issue. Um, I went to Brazil and, and I thought that would be an issue, but the immigration officer didn't even look at me. She just kind of took my passport, put a stamp on it and gave it back. So, no, it's never really been kind of
0: a problem. Yeah, we briefly we, we, we touched on it at the beginning. Hong Kong people don't really care. It's just those in authority because they're very stubborn or, or stubborn for various reasons. One of them is that there's a, there's a big religious influence on, uh, <clears throat> on what sexuality, what we can do with sexuality here.
1: I kind of want to answer that. You do You want to
0: answer this question. Okay, Christopher is asking via Twitter, does Mikey disclose uh, hookups?
1: Yes, all the time. Before I meet someone, I tell them I am trans or I put it on my profile. Um, I don't want them to get shocked and then start murdering me. Um, that that on the one hand it's it's bad because like you have to disclose only when you feel comfortable when you when you feel comfortable enough to disclose. But on the other hand, you can, I kind of think like um, if a person doesn't want me because I'm trans, then that person is not the right one for me. So like no, never mind. So yeah. I kind of use it to weed out the assholes from
0: right. The, the- but your profile because I met Mikey through OkCupid, okay and so your profile is actually like upfront. And I, when I found it, I was like, oh, great. I wonder if like, Mikey would be interested in like talking about transgender issues because, uh, well, I think it's fascinating, sexuality. And, it, and we're, everyone's repressed. I consider everyone to be repressed when it comes to sexuality. Again, if we go back to those who have constructed our world, so it, it needs discussing so that we can share it with other people. <laughs> yep. There we go. Um, Where can people find you to engage with you? Um, I know some people have from the private chat, like Christopher.
1: I am on Twitter, Mikey013, M-I-K-E-E, 013. Um, I'll give John my email, so you can email me if you want. Um, It's MikeyInthon013 at gmail.com. Mikey, M-I-K-E-E, I-N-T-O-N 013 at gmail.com. Andy was asking about Breakfast on Pluto. Do you know this film? Um, I've been told about the film. I haven't seen it. I started reading the book, uh, but then I started reading another book which was more interesting. <laughs> so I, I, I got through like a couple of chapters through Breakfast on Pluto, but I will get back to it soon.
0: Max says you should scope.
1: Um, I will try. I don't have much time because I'm supposed to be finishing my thesis. Um, I have hand in the whole thing by August, um, so I don't have much time.
0: Nicole's saying, "Could you say your email
1: again?" M i k e e i 013 at 3 at
0: There is actually, a, and Max says you should scope. But uh, well, I saw this morning a trans person scoping. Oh, cool! I've got a link to it. Hopefully, it's still up and around. Yeah, Babette, Babette, bombshell. Ooh. This is uh, this is who the, this is this person here. And it's very, it's very in your face. You can tell by the body chair. Oh, love that, <laughs> Ursula. Yeah, it does look like Ursula. Yeah, but the way she's constructed herself, the makeup is deliberately off centre. It looks like she's been crying. It's very good. Uh, this person here, I'm, I'm tempted to follow. If I give that person a follow, actually, Yay. because they seem very entertaining and they're playing inside a character that so you can think, yeah, I can get on board of this. <laughs> Max, do you know this person? Babette Bombshell. Okay, Max. Max knows everything. There we go. Max and Nicole, they know everything. Okay, cool. Um, I think we're going to leave it there, because I've got to go to work. Thank it ready. you so
1: much for listening.
0: Thank for you for coming this. on. Do you like talking about this as a I do, topic? I do, I do.
1: It's fine.
0: Right, because the last time I... Well, not the last time, but one time I brought a person on the show, and afterwards they were like, can we talk about something else next time? <laughs> no, I can talk about this forever. Like, Good. your viewers would be bored.
1: <laughs> Again, I am an academic. kind Okay. I like talking about stuff
0: <laughs> But what else What else do you like to talk about We can science? talk about movies next time
1: Or uh, I don't know What do you want to talk about No no I'm, I'm just curious like, If you talk about dating life in Hong Kong I've had a lot of experience with that would you All like, of
0: them tragic Would you like Mikey to come back <laughs> And talk about dating in Hong Kong Could you make it really sordid and Sexual so that? People can uh, get really into it. (laughs) Yes, come back. Yes, there we go. Thank you, thank you. Okay, very nice of you. Cool. We're going to leave it there. Again, this this is is already on YouTube. There's a pre-interview with Mikey, so you go to my YouTube channel, Jonathan JK. If you uh, don't know how to spell my name, basically, that's where I am on the internet. All of this. Okay, so screenshot that if you're new. But there's already a free interview. We talk it's a lot more laid back. This one's a lot more constructive tell the difference, right? And I should be wearing a white suit. But this will go on YouTube as soon as possible, so you've got two to watch. It'll stay on as a replay on Periscope and it will come out as a podcast because I have a podcast called Hello from Hong Kong where I talk about all the thing all these types of things uh, that are related to Hong Kong on there. Okay? All these hearts are really Mikey's. Okay. Thank you. I will email some screenshots, the ones that are for Mikey or give them to Mikey. I love that. Okay, so Thank you, thank you. Thanks for watching, I guess. Thanks for hanging in there. Sorry about the limited broadcast, but uh, that's the way it is. i I'm assuming that if I put a trans woman online, oof, the internet is just going to go <laughs> ridiculous. The numbers will be higher, but we'll get More we'll trolls. Get yeah. yeah, Loads of trolls.
1: Thanks,
0: everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Okay, no, thank you. So, take care.
1: I'll see you later. <laughs> Bye-bye.